Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. So, Wendy, have you put up your Christmas tree yet? Oh, goodness, no. It's way too early for that, Mike. Okay. I'm still taking down Halloween decorations. I see, I see. (laughs) Just checking. I had the Christmas tree up this year on uh, Black Friday. I remember you talking about that. That's very punctual of you. Yeah, that was the first time ever that I've had a Christmas tree up that early. (laughs) Nice work. Congratulations. So, there you go. Uh, You know, the Christmas tree is up early. And everybody's getting a Christmassy mood. However, I do not have a fireplace or a chimney. Uh-oh. How so, is Santa going to get in, Mike? Well, that's the real problem. Like, does Santa show up if you don't have a fireplace or a chimney? And that's, I, I think that's what we're going to figure out this year. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure he does because, you know, he's Santa. <laughs> well, okay, so this week is St. Nick's Day. On yes. Wednesday. Yay. And so St. Nick, for me, he didn't come down the chimney. He snuck in through the keyhole, is what my mother used to tell me, was that St. Nick would come to the keyhole. So he was tiny. Did, yeah. How did he carry all well, your things through there? Well, that was magic. Uh, that was always the okay. answer, is that St. Nick had magic. The catch-all. Now, right. Okay, so this week we are discussing Santa Claus. And uh, so this is a follow-up to our episodes on Krampus, the monsters of Christmas, the ghosts of Christmas, and now we're getting to the biggest paranormal character of Christmas of all time. Ho, 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 ho. And that is the the big man himself, Santa. Coming up this week is St. Nicholas Day on Wednesday for those of us in Western civilization, in the uh, Orthodox Church. I think they do it on Tuesday. Oh, okay. And St. Nicholas is big over there, too. So did you guys do St. Nick's Day at your house, Wendy? Yeah, we always did the, uh, I guess, a German tradition of leaving your shoes out. Oh, so, so we you would, did the shoes. Yeah, we'd put our shoes outside of our, just outside of our bedroom door. And then in the morning, they'd be full of candy. Oh, right. And like St. Nick would bring like little things. Yeah, nothing big, no major gifts, but just, you know, little Christmas candies. and. Yeah, we usually got candy. Every once in a while, I get an action figure, like what, like a single action figure. So Saint like Nick He-Man? Like, yeah, well, <laughs> Matt. I think the one I remember right now is Mask. <laughs> okay. Mask had the, uh, I think like little vehicles that transform. Like oh, they, fun. Like I got, the, I got the guy whose motorcycle turned into a helicopter for Saint Nick's Day. One Sweet. Year, I remember that. That's a fun little preview for Christmas. Yeah. It was just like just a little thing. And uh, occasionally I would get coal. Uh, you weren't good? Well, no. What do you think? I don't know. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so I would get, uh, what happened was that um, we would wake up and you'd get that little warning because Christmas would be, you know, three weeks away or whatever. Yeah. And so St. Nick's Day could be a warning that you better start behaving yourself. Otherwise, Santa might think you're on the naughty list <laughs> instead of the nice list. He's keeping an eye extra special at that point, right? Because it's so yeah. close to Christmas. Right. Well, St. Nick's Day, too, the candies we'd get would have more traditional pictures of St. Nicholas on them. So less pictures of Santa Claus and more pictures of, like, the bishop. I see. The guy with the bishop's nook. Right. Or, um, what did they call him? The rook or whatever those things would carry. The actual human being. Or whatever representation of the character. Right. So, yeah, no, we did St. Nick's Day. Uh, didn't do Krampus, unfortunately. 
Yeah, Krampus was not a thing. I mean, not a thing that we heard about as kids. No, at least it wasn't in our tradition. Yeah. Um, that, I think that because the, the like how adults kind of started getting into trick or treating and Halloween and dressing up, I think Krampus is now giving an adults another reason to like drink near Christmas. Oh, or get festive, have fun. It's it's yeah. It's like there's always something different. You know, a few years ago, do you remember the resurgence of ugly Christmas sweaters? Yes, I do. It's like that wasn't a thing. Well, I guess no. when we were kids, they actually were people wore them like not ironically. No, they wore them to be like to be cool at a Christmas party. <laughs> right. And then I don't know, five or ten years ago, all of a sudden people started having these parties giving out prizes to the worst slash best. Right. But adults are looking for other ways to celebrate the season, kind of fun little things like that. And I think Krampus yeah. falls into that, even though, you know, he's terrifying. <laughs> right. The 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 uh the Christmas uh punisher. Right. He brings a little Halloween into the season. Right. And it makes it extra fun. No, I love Krampus. And uh, I think Krampus is actually streaming on Netflix this month. Oh, great. Is yes. it on Netflix? Oh, it might be. Any, I can't remember. Anyway, Krampus is streaming. I didn't bother seeing it in the theaters, but now I will be watching it this month. Me too. Anyway, we're missing the point here. And the point is Santa Claus. We're talking about all those other things that we seem to have we have gone past the main we're character. We're dodging the issue. Right. So what did you guys do for Santa Claus, Wendy, when, when you were a kid? Like, did you have, um, was there any special custom associated with it? Or like, what did your yeah. parents tell you? Oh, I, let's have a warning. If you were listening with a child in the car or something like that, wait till you get around adults or something like that. Like, don't, don't, uh, don't spoil the fun. So what was your Santa Claus tradition? Well, there's no spoiler here. Uh, we would leave cookies and milk out on the fireplace and we would leave a little notes for Santa. What like what? What would the notes say? Oh, uh, they would just say, you know, I hope you're having a a nice night, Merry Christmas, and take care of Rudolph. And then we would usually leave a couple carrots for Rudolph. I guess we'd kind of diss the other reindeer. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like Rudolph gets all the attention because of yeah. the red nose, but he's got the and hardest like, job too. He's got to cut the wind, you know, it's up in the front <laughs> he's there. Got, he's got to break it. Yeah. Um. All right. All right, so you guys did that, and that sounds nice. We couldn't leave out cookies and milk because there was too many mice in our Aww. that would come out and eat it. Like our, we lived in the middle of a little woods. Snatch it from Santa. That's right. not no, cool. We left food out or whatever. You know, and my mother, she would not go that for that in any way, shape, or form. She'd be like, "Leave food out? What for the mice?" And you know, milk just. Uh, I'm just thinking about that, that that would be a no-go. <laughs> but so it was It was weird because Santa would come to my aunt's house in Milwaukee and then he would come also to our house nearby later on. But so you like got a, a little, double, double yeah. heaping helping of Santa. Right, because a little bell would ring upstairs. We'd all be in the, in the downstairs at my aunt's house and a little bell would ring upstairs <laughs> and that means Santa would come. Cool. And then in like the 70s, and this is before I was really paying attention, in the 60s and 70s, like one of my relatives would dress up like Santa and he'd bring the presents down to everybody. Oh, that's but cute. I think they got too old by the time I was ready for that. I see. Because I was, I was the youngest of the cousins. My oldest cousin is like 73. Oh my goodness. So I was the, I was the youngest. Maybe, maybe 75. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's a fun, big family celebration kind of thing. Yeah, and that little thing, and then Santa would come downstairs. And then at home, Santa would come uh, in the morning. Now, the thing is, some of my other relatives, like Santa would come, by the time they got home from my aunt's house, 
Santa had already came. Ah, okay. And I, so I was like, well, if he's doing the whole, the whole world, yeah. How come? Why wouldn't he do it all at once? That that area. Right, like he wouldn't have covered the Milwaukee area all at once. Like he would have to come back in the morning or back on the way around. Like I was just trying to get through my head. So practical, Mike. Well, you did your best because you remember having that discussion. Like, is Santa real? What we would do was so it was always Christmas Eve while we were sleeping that Santa would come, mm-hmm. and uh, in the morning our parents would say like, "Don't wake us up until seven a.m. or whatever." And of course, we'd wake up at like 5 a.m. and then we'd right. try to like entertain ourselves until that we weren't allowed to go out to the family room where the tree was. We had to go, you know, wake up mom and dad and then dad would always go check and make sure Santa came. Ah, I see. So he would go out there and kind of <laughs> do a, like a, an exploratory pre-check so that in case Santa didn't come, then he could break it to us gently, I guess. I don't know. But luckily, there were no instances of that. Right, or in case Santa brought you coal. <laughs> right. Like he did if you were naughty. Now, but the thing is, though, did you ever, like, I remember having that discussion with, not my friends, but my cousins, like, the Santa is real discussion. We're like, well, what do you guys think? And I'm like, well, I'm not sure. But he always shows up. So I'm like, Why so question pretty, it? <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And then my cousin is like, well, I found my gifts. Now, did you ever find your gifts? No, no. Yeah, never did I find yes the, the like hidden Christmas. somewhere or something. Yeah, like other people would. I'm like, I'm like, how? Oh, why would you do that? <laughs> their Santa was so bad at hiding gifts, <laughs> and when Santa came to my house, Aww. he was awesome at hiding gifts. But even today, um, we have never discussed the is Santa not real with my parents because no. if I discuss it with them, my mother will just say, as long as you believe in him, he's real. Well, and you know he's magic. So, I right. mean, that answers a lot of the logistical <laughs> yeah. right. questions. So like, like, how does he do it? Well, magic, obviously, son. So, do you oh, believe, okay. Mike? Well, yeah, as long as Santa still keeps showing up. And I, yeah, I still keep getting gifts. Gotta like, sometimes, sometimes Santa has to, the spirit of Santa has to inhabit me, and then I have to get gifts, you know. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. That spirit of generosity, I think. I and, love that. You know, and the thing is, if you're Catholic... Or were raised Catholic or any kind of like that. You, they talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. And it's like, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit so you have faith, the spirit of faith and stuff. So why can't St. Nicholas be the spirit of generosity inhabiting you as well? So I, I'm with my mom that as long as I believe that he's real. It's more of a, a spirit, the spirit of St. Nick. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Ooh. And we're going to talk about the belief and stuff as, as we go on, because there's some interesting stories about Santa Claus out there. Anyway, I, uh, and so I'm trying to think about what I'm going to do with my children or, you know, child right now and maybe more in the future. Like, am I going to tell them the Santa Claus story? Because the thing is, Wendy, do you know people that were never, I mean, not, I'm not, not just talking about like Jewish people or not, like people that never had Santa Claus. I can't think of anybody. <laughs> right. I... <laughs> I did date a girl whose family is like, well, we're not going to lie to you. There is no Santa Claus or whatever like, up from birth. They did that. And, you know, while I respected that, I was like, okay. You know, I respected the fact that they didn't want to, like, lose, I guess, have their children lose trust in them or something by lying to them. I also thought there is something fun about being little and believing in magic. I you know, agree. There, Definitely. There is something fun about that. Now, that always makes me think about... Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. Okay, and this is a spoiler for Return of the Jedi if you haven't seen it. Uh-oh. Uh, and if you haven't seen Return of the Jedi, uh, well, 
watch them all before the new one comes out in a couple weeks. All right, Return of the Jedi, Luke's talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he's mad because he's like, you lied to me about my father, because Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars says that Darth Vader betrayed and murdered Luke's father. And then in Empire Strikes Back, he finds out that he's real. I mean, not that he's real. <laughs> he finds out that Darth Vader is his father. Sorry, I'm mixing up Santa Claus and Darth Vader. Well, you know, they're kind of basically the same guy. No, I'm kidding. Well, we'll get, we'll get to Santa Claus oh, as a no, satanic no. entity coming no. up, too. That's, uh, that's something that's out there. So, okay. He said, well, what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Because when Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader, it was kind of like this new person had killed the old person. And so I always think of it like that a little bit, the Santa Claus story, that it's true as long as you believe. It's true as long as you feel that spirit of generosity in your heart. Oh, this is like an after school special all of a sudden. Yeah, it is. It is. And so that's what I think about Santa Claus. Uh, And that's how I'm going to approach it. Uh, The Obi-Wan Kenobi school of Santa Claus, I think, is the way I'm going to approach it. Okay. So All right. One from from one bearded gray man to you know <laughs> to another. There you go. Is how I think of it. Now, so for those of you who, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard the real history of Saint Nicholas and Santa Claus your entire life, but we're going to cover it a little bit right here and just talk about it some. Yeah, and I, I'm not that familiar with it, so I'm appreciating this little refresher course. Well, just to break it to you real quick, uh, in fourth century Turkey. Uh, it was called you know, Asia Minor at the time. There was a town called Myra, and there was a bishop by the name of Nicholas. Now, he, when he was born, he was born into having a lot of money. His parents were uh, wealthy. They had like a fishing, I don't know, like I would say a fortune. I, I don't even know what a fortune would be in the fourth century. Like we think of yeah. fortune now like Bill Gates. Like what would a fortune be in the fifth century? Well, they had shoes. Yeah, different scale there. <laughs> right. No, and I know. So, but he was, his parents were Christian, Okay. which at the time was still not the official religion of the Roman Empire. So remember that during the first few centuries after Jesus, um, Christians were still being like burnt at the stake. Or they were used in the Colosseum as lights. Wow. So they'd cover Christians in pitch, an oilish type substance that you put on lanterns, and then they'd set them on fire. That's horrid. And that would be like the lights for the... You know, imagine, you know, remember when Wrigley Field didn't have lights. When they oh, no. Field lights. Imagine instead of the, no. like the floodlights for the game, oh, they just took Christians and say, light them up. Then Harry carries <laughs> play ball. Okay. Anyway, but that, I mean, the Romans did that. In fact, a lot of early Christian Catholic saints come from, they, they would not recant their Christianity. Ugh. And so they were burned alive or beheaded or, or whatnot. As was the Roman tradition. <sighs> yeah. So Nicholas was born to wealthy Christian parents in Turkey. Now, his parents died of like some kind of plague or something like that in early age. And he was raised by his uncle, who was a bishop. So his uncle was a religious guy. So St. Nicholas was religious from an early age, wealthy. Um, his uncle tonsured him at an early age. So what's a tonsure? If you ever see a monk... Uh, that has like bald in the middle. Oh, okay. So they, they shave the hair. So it's just this ring of hair. So they want themselves to look older. Yeah. But it's not just male pattern baldness. They keep the, <laughs> okay. They keep, they keep the bangs. I see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I mean, people would do it, not just monks and, and people would do it in the Middle Ages as like a sign of devotion. So your sign of religiosity was that you would get the tonsure. And eventually it became pretty much just monks do it. 
But so it says like, an, you know, on the history of St. Nicholas that he was tonsured from an early age. But thing is, he was rich and because he was religious and because he was a, a, a true believer, he liked to give away his fortune. He was known for his generosity. Mm. So like Santa Claus is known for his generosity, St. Nicholas was. Now there's a couple of famous legends about St. Nicholas. The big one is that there were uh, like three daughters like from a very poor family who, well, they were going to starve, so they decided to become prostitutes. Okay. St. Nicholas came by, and he paid their dowry. So he gave them enough money where they could find men to marry by paying their dowry. Aw, that was nice. So, he saved them from that life. From a life of prostitution. That's what kind of guy St. Wow. Nicholas is. A real That's white knight. Very kind. <laughs> yeah. So he does that. And then there's another story about St. Nicholas where there's a local butcher who murders three boys. Ew. And so he murders three boys and he's going to, uh, well, he's going to put them into meat pies and then sell <sighs> them. So I guess, I mean. That's really gross. Yeah. Well, Sounds like a Grimm's fairy tale. Right. Well, St. Nicholas comes by. He finds out about it. And then he goes, uh, he prays over the uh, the meat pies or whatever, or the, the butchered boys, and he brings them back to life. So that's another that Saint that's another legend of Saint Nicholas wow. that he prayed and God loved him so much. God loved Saint Nicholas so much that he brought these kids incredible. back to life. But there's some other stories about him too. Um, this one's a little more paranormal and less of the like like random fantasy because like the <laughs> idea that Saint Nicholas is bringing kids back to life is like a random fantasy. Yeah, that's weird. Um, but this was something I did when I was doing some more research about it, and I thought this was interesting. So the first emperor of Rome who turned Rome into Christianity was Constantine. Okay. Constantine had this, this vision of a cross and like a dream. And so he was worried about a battle coming up, but he saw that when he saw the cross in the sky, he saw his forces be victorious. Okay. So what happens is he converts to Christianity. They win the battle and he's like, all right, we're turning Rome Christian. And that's it. That's when they stopped setting people on fire. Huh? Right. They didn't feed them the lions anymore in the Colosseum. <sighs> They did that. Okay, so what happens is there's these three soldiers, and they're traveling, uh, three Roman soldiers, they're traveling from one place to another, but what they somehow inspired jealousy of the local prefect, the local guy who was in charge of, of the place they were traveling to. And so they made him jealous for some reason, and he locks him up, and he's going to execute him. Uh-oh. He, he trumps up some charges of corruption or whatever, that these soldiers, you know, are corrupt. They're taking bribes or... Okay. Or, what happens is they pray to St. Nicholas and St. Nicholas appears not only to the, the local, the prefect, the guy in charge, he appears to Emperor Constantine in a dream and says, you have to let these guys go. Oh, wow. So That's they both cool. have this dream about St. Nicholas. And then next day when they're up under charges and they're about to be on trial, um, what happens is they tell the emperor that they prayed to St. Nicholas for help, that he would help them out. And the emperor's like, oh my God, St. Nicholas appeared to me in a dream. That's it. You guys are free to go. So the idea that uh, St. Nicholas telepathically influences the legal system is another example of his great generosity. Wow. It's impressive. Okay. So I mean, there's different accounts of, I mean, all we know is that St. Nicholas, uh, the certain day that he, you know, he, that he died, he was still in Turkey and his bones were there for a long time. He was buried in his church, 
But Turkey eventually fell to the Muslims and, you know, it's crusades and all that kind of business yeah. like in the 10th century. So what happens is there's two, uh, like, Italian cities that vie for his remains. And so you can even now today, you can visit St. Nicholas's Bones or whatever at this Basilica of St. Nicholas in Italy. St. Nicholas was really popular in medieval Europe. Uh-huh. He was the patron saint of sailors, in addition to being known for his generosity. So people would pray to St. Nicholas to have St. Nicholas intercede for them. I mean, this is before he was, you know, given people Christmas gifts and everything. They would still pray to St. Nicholas like you pray to a saint, like St. Anthony, if you're on a trip or something like that for a safe passage or whatever. He was, he was a really popular saint. So you'd want to have his bones at your church because more people are going to come visit it and they're going to give more money. Right. Several different Italian cities were asking like the, the they Vatican. They wanted the bones. So it was like, it was like getting the Olympics. I see. So it was all like a competition for who's, who's going to get them. Right. So who's going to, so the city of Barry in Italy eventually gets his bones. And that's, you know, that makes me feel like a St. Nicholas there. So I thought that was fun. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was like, oh, like. He's so popular. Even they want his bones at the party. <laughs> right. You know, but also the idea of a thousand years ago, <sighs> different cities are taught, you know, that just like they have the Olympic Committee now or something like that. Or um, <laughs> even in Wisconsin where they're trying to get like a factory located. You know, you know, people are sitting there like, we'll give you a tax break if you put your factory here and the whole kind of thing. Like this existed a thousand years ago for just a different kind of tourist destination. Tourist, yeah. I mean, I guess if it's such a sacred, hollowed relic, everybody wants it. Make their, you know, parish that much cooler, right? Yeah, well, people love St. Bones. I mean, I think we, we talked about it in an episode. <laughs> they do in an episode, in an episode two years ago. Yeah. Um. I think we talked about, I went to visit a saint as she was traveling yeah, through Madison. Yeah, that was cool. So people love to go to saint, and they have even have little instructions on how to pray to the saint and things to do. Like, it's a whole, and you leave a, you know, you leave a monetary offering for it. So it's a whole kind of industry um, based on visiting dead people. Oh, spooky. Yeah. Real, real nice. <laughs> but, you know, so St. Nicholas becomes this, this popular character. And people pray to him all the time. And then they start having these ideas that, uh, you know, St. Nicholas is going to like drop a little money in your shoe or drop a little candy in your shoe and stuff like that at night when you leave your shoe out. And this becomes popular in the Middle Ages too, saying, okay, you know, like a, a little thing, they're just talking good children get little St. <laughs> Nicholas gifts. But then what happens is that uh, the Protestants show up and they, they don't like the saints, Uh-oh. number one. Number two, they don't like the industry that Christmas has become. Ah, so yeah. during the Protestant Ref- Reformation, because in the Bible, it never specifically says you should party on Jesus's birthday. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, it, it makes Easter a big deal, but it doesn't make Christmas a big deal. But because of the winter festivities, the Yule, as we talked about in our episode on Christmas monsters, we talk about the Yule a lot, and these different festivals that people would have, midwinter festivals, because of that... Uh, they make Christmas a big deal as they start welcoming these formerly pagan countries into Christian society. They're like, okay, well, they're used to having a party in December. Let's make up a party in December. And they pick December 25th as Jesus' birthday. They're like, well, we don't really know when he was born, but that's as good a day as any. And so, well, the Protestants don't like that. They don't like the idea of the, this uh, you know, pagan celebration. Mm-hmm. 
eventually influencing Christianity. So they're like, you know what? No more St. Nicholas. And even, I mean, I think England, under Oliver Cromwell, bans Christmas for a little while. Not bans Christmas, but they just didn't celebrate it. Yeah. And so kind of in the in the Protestant countries, St. Nicholas is persona non grata for a while. So Mm. that's why he becomes Father Christmas Ah, when he comes back. So... It's a little bit more of a generic name. Yeah, so Father Christmas. Right. It's not not an actual saint or a person who used to be alive, like Santa Claus is. Okay, so that goes on. So the Dutch version of St. Nicholas, Sinterklaas, all right, um, he comes to to visit. He drops the stuff in probably a wooden shoe or whatever the Dutch like to wear. And so the Dutch come over, and they're the first people who colonized New York, obviously New Amsterdam. And so they have their old tradition of Sinterklaas in New Amsterdam. And that goes on for a while, and eventually we get to the 1800s, and Sinterklaas gets bastardized as Santa Claus. Ah. And what happens is, uh, 1822, Clement Moore the poet writes a visit from St. Nicholas. And we all know that as the night before Christmas. Oh, and so wow. I didn't think, I didn't think the night before Christmas was that old. Yeah. That's really old. Yes. Yeah, so that's almost 200 years old of Santa Claus. And he's the guy that creates like the suit of fur. You oh, know, okay. This idea. So, so St. Nicholas no longer looks like a bishop. Yeah. The red and white. Yeah. And so our idea of St. Nicholas uh, and the picture of him, the picture of Santa Claus that we associate, really becomes solidified with in the in the 1870s. There is a particular artist named Thomas Nast, and he's drawing you know illustrations of uh, Saint Nick in the with like Clement Moore's fur makes it red, and so his illustrations kind of turn into what our idea of like now we see Santa Claus at every mall in the United States. Wow, right? yeah, that's a pretty iconic yeah. image you know the costume yeah. the beard the <laughs> right the jingle and, bells <laughs> oh and then he and he's smoking too like they take so harper's <laughs> weekly 1881 they got santa claus he's got a big red belly so he's a jolly fat man like saint nicholas wasn't necessarily a fat guy <laughs> <laughs> right you know it's 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 you know clement clark moore that turns him with a bowl full of jelly yeah and everything like that and wearing the fur coat so the the big famous illustration in january 1881 thomas nast he's got the belly he's got arm full of toys he's smoking a pipe so people start drawing santa as well in that kind of and the thing is is that i mean santa claus as we know it is the creation of advertisers looking to sell their products so in the 1920s, Coke takes that famous image of Santa Claus and adds a, a soda instead of a pipe. <laughs> and now so replace, he's officially commercial. <laughs> right. He replaces one vice for another. Oh, dear. But, you know, companies had been using Santa in their advertising for, for decades. I mean, Christmas starts becoming more and more popular as department stores show up. So in the, in the 19th century, as we start developing department stores, they're using Christmas as a way to make more money. And they even say... now. I'm not sure if we talked, we talked about this last week and you said that the origin of the term Black Friday is because the day after Christmas is the day when companies go from red to black or, you know, department stores. And that was news to me. (laughs) But, but, you know, when you have an entire section of your society uh, who depends on the Christmas season to make money, you're like, well, okay, they're going to do what they have to do to to make that dollar dollar bill, y'all. So... 
so then you know, I mean, so uh, Norman Rockwell draws Santa in a bunch of famous illustrations. He gets solidified in the Coke commercials. Then we start having Santa in movies. You know, Miracle on Thirty Fourth. Oh yeah, that's a big classic one. I loved that one when I was yeah. a kid. I, I, you know, they made a they made a remake in the nineteen nineties. I never saw it. I don't think I saw that one either. I, I'm oh. all for the original though. Yeah, no, I lo- I love the original. I remember we went to um, you couldn't get it on video, or they didn't have it on video, but you could see it uh, in the theater. And so my That's mother cool. took us. You know, when they'd have the revivals of the of Miracle on the Thirty Fourth Street, yeah. we'd go see it in the theater. That's cute. And it was nice, you know, because if you think about the most famous Christmas movie of our time, is probably It's a Wonderful Life. Oh wow, yeah. and. Santa's not even, he didn't even show up. No, no he's not part of Santa, that one. Santa's not even part of it. So St. Nicholas is a real person and his legend eventually becomes Santa Claus. And, you know, we were talking about the pagan origins of that. It's the big white beard. Do we know that St. Nicholas had a beard? No, but we do know that when we talk about the Scandinavian countries um, where you think Santa Claus lives at the North Pole. You know, he's got reindeer. Well, there is a certain Scandinavian deity who's got a big white beard who has an eight-legged horse that flies him through the sky and drops presents off for that's people. That's cool. Yeah. And that's Odin. He's got a cryptid. <laughs> right, yeah. Odin had an eight-legged horse named Sleipner. <laughs> and so during the, the winter solstice, the Yule, Odin led a hunting party through the sky with his eight-legged horse uh, flying him across the sky. And so Odin had the big white beard, obviously had to dress warm because, you know, in Scandinavia, things get cold. Uh, yeah. And so in Finland, you know, the idea is that he lives in Lapland. And now we have this idea that he lives in the North Pole. And so that, you know, there are a bunch of pagan influences behind Santa Claus. What I like about this one is this is one I hadn't heard before is uh, like the Christmas witch, La Bafana. Yes, I love that one, too, because <laughs> her uh, portrayal, as opposed to our jolly fat man, it's an old hag holding a broom. It's not exactly what I think of when I think of the holidays, but I mean, other than Halloween, but pretty but cool. She, she's covered in soot because she comes to the chimney. Right. So this is back in the 13th century. And the idea is there's a, a, a story about how the three wise men are looking for baby Jesus and they find a woman. And they like, hey, can you can you help you know lead us to lead us to Jesus? And she's like, no thanks, weird you know three wise men coming all the way from the east, no way. But then she has a change of heart, and she goes after the wise men, and says, okay, here's a bag of gifts, take this to the baby. And now on Christmas, she goes from house to house looking for baby Jesus. Is the story? Aww. And she leaves little gifts. So she comes in the chimney, looks for Jesus, doesn't find him, drops a gift off, and takes off. But she's old, nasty, uh, because she has soot all over from coming to the chimney. So that, like, La Bafana. So the idea, so Santa coming through the chimney, his, his magic coming through the chimney yeah. comes from this story about the Italian witch. That's cool. And, but I, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I like the part of the tradition that says that if anybody actually sees her, they'll receive a thump from her broomstick because she doesn't oh, want to yeah. be seen. So she, <laughs> she'll beat you if you catch her. <laughs> And okay, but they should have said that that should be included uh, in the Santa Claus myth. Well, I feel like I remember something to the effect of, you know, you don't want to stay up and watch for Santa Claus because if you do, he won't come. Something like that. Not he will beat you. <laughs> but you know, it says this aspect of the tradition was designed to keep children in their beds. The right. part about her beating you if, if she catches you. 
Or you right, catch her. Because you get so excited about Santa coming. <laughs> right. Like you were saying, like you had to wake up your parents. And see, my parents always slept in on Christmas. Oh, man. That's so, so cruel. <laughs> so, so I could wake up whenever. Like Santa came sometime between. We'd get home from my aunt's house usually at one o'clock in the morning. Sometimes we go to midnight mass. So sometimes you get home at Party. two. So, um, right. Because my mother said when they were kids, what they would do is, cause they all lived near each other is that they would eat. Everybody would go to mass at midnight and then everybody would stay up until like six or seven o'clock in the morning. Wow. And the other play so, cards and yeah. Drink so and the, oh. when Santa's supposed to sneak in. Right. So that's why Santa rang the bell, came downstairs. I and get the it. I like that. And then everybody goes to church and then stays up all night. That's fun. But like once everybody moved away from each other, we had to drive. So you get home at like one or two o'clock in the morning. And then sometimes between two and then I'd usually wake up around six or six thirty. <laughs> so your schedule hasn't changed much. No, since you were <laughs> it a kid. really hasn't changed much. <laughs> so anyway, that's when Santa would come. But now we were just talking about, you know, the, the pagan inspirations of Santa Claus. Well, there's also a lot of people in today's society that think Santa Claus as a representative of the commercialization of Christmas. Yeah. Is actually uh, the devil. <gasps> what? Right? right. So Santa is a creation of the devil. Number one, because he's taking attention away. From the real from reason for the season. The reason for the season. That's, that's JC. <laughs> but I love this. So I'm looking at this pamphlet that they've created. Santa Claus, the great imposter. Ooh. And they're like, who really is this man we affectionately call Santa Claus? What do we really know about Santa? Is Santa just a jolly, harmless, friendly fellow? Or is there something or someone else hiding behind jolly old Saint Nick? <laughs> and it goes into like the history of how the Bible talks about Satan. And Satan's job is to deceive the world. And how Halloween makes it okay for people to dress like demons and bad things. So Halloween is Satan saying, like, it's okay to imitate me. And Christmas is, is Satan saying, don't worry about Jesus. And Santa is the representative of that. Wow. So, uh, yeah. There's a, you know, this is, a, I'll have to link to this in the show notes because there's a whole thing about how actually like Santa's beard is like the devil's beard. Uh, the suit of red. Well, the devil wears red. <laughs> right. Like the, <laughs> it's this whole thing. Like who's okay with, you know, coming into the chimney because they love fire. I think we know. The devil. Yeah. Who lives at the North Pole? Nobody lives at the North Pole. Like the, the idea is it's perfect for, you know, Satan Claus. <laughs> to be up there it's an anagram ah. <laughs> <laughs> right. anyway so you know people take that a little far but the thing is is that this character is so huge in our mind so yeah. huge in society like so we're talking about this could you ever think that this fourth century catholic bishop this you know christian bishop would ever end up being i don't know like debated like a legend for like every child like there's there's like 300 yeah. million people in the United States. And I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, everybody knows who Santa Claus is. Not everybody believes in Santa Claus, yeah. of course. And there's, you know, we have a diverse of religions and beliefs and legends and stuff like that. But everybody knows who Santa Claus right. is. But that's the thing. Everybody knows who Santa Claus is. Is it really weird that some people have reported actually seeing him? Oh, boy. Are we getting right. into tulpas here? Mm -hmm. Well, well, yeah, we're slowly getting, slowly getting into Tulpas. Cool. So uh, about.com is now, I think, thoughtcompany.com or thoughtco.com. But about.com, a guy named Stephen Wagner, he's been collecting 
stories from people who have actually seen Santa Claus. Awesome. Right. It's funny because uh, there's an article in the Boston Globe uh, about 2012, and they interview Stephen Wagner, and they talk to him about the real settings of Santa Claus, and they also uh, interview Lloyd Auerbach, who we had in the show, and Lloyd says, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Lloyd, a guy who read a book on ghosts, who I, I, I love Lloyd Auerbach, but he's like, that's ridiculous. The only thing I can think of is that it's either got to be a ghost or an alien disguised as Santa Claus. Well, that's a, an interesting choice for a disguise. It's not exactly yeah. subtle. But I love it. He's like, it's, you know, it's, it could be a ghost or alien disguised as Santa Claus. I and mean, that's what people are seeing. <laughs> as if that explanation is more, you know, but, but it's just that thing. It's yeah. like, you know, we have these acceptable beliefs in our head. And ghosts and aliens does not seem out of the realm, especially on our podcast oh, and the things we talk yeah. about. But the idea like, well, Santa Claus is a story for children to keep them behaving or whatever. <laughs> or is it? Like I said, I still believe. (laughs) So here's just a sampling of some of the stories. White Santa, 1969. I had an experience when I was three years old and still young enough to wear footed pajamas. The year was 1969 Christmas Eve. I wanted to see what Santa had brought me, so I quietly walked down the hallway and looked around the corner to our living room. I saw my parents and someone I didn't know hanging around our Christmas tree. The stranger was an old guy with a white beard and hair with a red suit. I quickly went back to my room as fast as I could with footy pajamas and slid into bed. (laughs) I told my mom what happened many years later, and she insisted that I was dreaming or it was my dad. That wasn't possible because my dad was sitting in a chair behind the stranger, and my mom was standing right next to my dad. I'm African-American, and during that time, the tenants in our building were all African-American. So Santa stood out. Huh. So I mean, she saw the white guy with the white beard and stuff. Yeah. And the white guy's around. Sure. I like Oh, I love that story. But there's a ton of them. This one guy writes on um, the paranormal board on Reddit, and I read the paranormal board on Reddit pretty regularly. <laughs> and so uh, this is an Australian, and he writes a story, and it is, I saw Santa. He's like, so this is going to sound like BS or an imaginary story, but this happened to me 17 or 18 years ago, and I still remember it very clearly. It was early Christmas morning, 1996 and 1997. I was six or seven years old. I always had trouble sleeping the night before Christmas as I couldn't wait until the morning to open my presents. And because here in Australia, Christmas is during the summer, so the nights are always quite hot. Anyway, I got out of bed to peek at the presents under the Christmas tree. My room exited into a hallway, and at the end of the hallway was the kitchen and the dining room area. As I crept out, something in the kitchen doorway caught my attention. I got back behind the hallway entry and observed what happened to be a pair of legs wearing long red pants. The legs were bolt upright, but the rest of the figure was apparently bent at the hips into the kitchen doorway so I couldn't see the body. At this age, I still believed in Santa, so I went and woke my older sister who begrudgingly came to have a look. We both peeked around the hallway and saw the same thing. The figure had not moved position since I first observed it. She tiredly suggested it was just dad I should go back to bed. I wasn't convinced and I followed her back to the room as I didn't want to be alone. She no longer believed in Santa and became annoyed at me for hiding under her desk and begging her to come and have another look with me. But then he went back out. He goes, I finally crept back to my room, closed the door, leaving it slightly ajar, and proceeded to pace around my room not knowing whether to wake my parents or have another look at the kitchen doorway. My ceiling light was dimmed so I could see the entire room clearly. There were no shadows. I finally decided to leave my room to wake my parents, and as I opened my door, standing there, blocking my path, was Mother Bleeping Santa Claus. (laughs) My goodness. He was dressed exactly how I'd imagined him. He looked like the typical Coca-Cola Santa, down to his white woolen trimmings, 
thick black belt with a golden buckle and red nightcap. He had small circular gold rim glasses, a white curly beard, blue eyes, and liver spots on his cheeks. Oh. Uh. <laughs> That's very detailed. Liver, the first time I read this story, I didn't see the liver spots. There. I was reading it too fast. I froze up and I looked at his eyes. He had what I took to be a stern expression on his face, almost glaring at me. Just after we made eye contact, he bent his head down towards me slightly in a manner that suggested, what are you doing up? You shouldn't be awake and go back to bed. Oh, no. I gasped, took a few steps back, and then ran to the door and jumped into bed. Now, he remembers thinking Santa doesn't like kids being awake because he can't drop off the presents otherwise. <laughs> That's like, you're, like you said, that you know if you stay awake for Santa, he won't come. Yeah. And uh, he told his parents about it. And he's like, I, I saw Santa Claus. And they're like, it wasn't us. You know? Ah. His sister says, you know, she remembers seeing the person under the tree. And his sister says it was just her dad. And his parents are like, no way. He's especially in the summertime. His father would not wear long pants to bed. In the summertime, it's hot in Australian summer. Yeah. So he claims, you know, he's just, and, and people are saying like, well, it might have been a dream. Or, you know, somebody also says like, it might be an alien. Yeah. But, you know, this goes back to the whole thing, though, that people, we have, you know, people that have paranormal experiences kind of see what they expect to see. Well, I, I can't argue with that, Mike, because when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I saw the tooth fairy. Well, let's, let's, let's start I, with this. Okay? I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a lady standing in my room by the dresser, kind of looking at the dresser, maybe going through stuff. I'm not sure what she was doing, but... She had really long hair and she was wearing like a floral dress and mm-hmm. I just knew it was the tooth fairy. She was in my room. It wasn't any of my family members and it I didn't think tooth- it was weird at all. I was just like, oh, and I told my parents the next morning and they're like, uh-huh. Yeah. You saw a tooth fairy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't think you ever told me that before. You haven't mentioned that I kind of forgot about it, but my yeah. family reminds me. My, par- <laughs> my parents what especially you reminded saw a tooth fairy. me. Yeah. Because I must have been very convinced when I described it to them. So, I mean, I, I can relate to that guy and his story. You see what you expect to see. And that's what we discussed before. Like the idea that um, once people, they, if they think they're going to see Bigfoot, you know, they have a paranormal experience and they see Bigfoot. And then, but it's Bigfoot and it's aliens and it's ghosts and it could be anything that you believe in. High strangeness. High strangeness. So are people seeing Santa Claus any different than the high strangeness? It goes back to my theory that somebody's programming us. <laughs> and so he caught the programmer yeah, and the programmer be. presented to him as Santa Claus. I mean, it was probably a gin. Yeah. Because they're obviously everywhere. They are. One more story uh, that I liked. This is not even, um, these, are, these are kids. This is Scotland, 1978. An old friend came to see me a couple weeks ago. We lost touch years ago, but he managed to trace me and he brought me a Christmas card. After a few minutes, I asked him if he remembered the Christmas Eve about 30 years ago when we were outside our houses. We grew up next to each other. It must have been around 7.30 on a clear night when we suddenly heard a bell or bells in the distance getting closer really fast. As we both looked up, there was the reindeer, the sleigh, and Santa flying very fast and low over my house. It was brief, but we both ran to tell our families. Of course, everyone laughed, but I tell you, it was real. So my friend turns up and I asked him if he remembered, and he said, of course he did, but he doesn't like telling people about it now. You can imagine why. Because he looks crazy. Because even That's Lloyd a big Auerbach, one. <laughs> yeah, because even Lloyd Auerbach, when he says to him, you say to Lloyd, you're like, hey, you know, these people have real settings of Santa Claus. He's like, 
please. <laughs> Doesn't Get even consider here. it. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, there are a ton of stories about, you know, people seeing Santa Claus. In fact, here's one more I'll just read because I thought it was, it was interesting. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee. I grew up in a suburb of Memphis. In the 1980s, I was eight or nine years old, so just like us. My parents and I were coming home from a Christmas party on Christmas Eve. We pulled up in the driveway. We saw Santa Claus in a sleigh hovering above our house. All we could hear were sleigh bells. The sleigh was illuminated so that we could see Santa in full outfit on the sleigh. I remember seeing reindeer, but I don't know how many there were. Santa waved at us and flew off. I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget my dad's face of total shock. He was an air traffic controller, and we went back to work after the holidays. He asked about it, and nothing came up. In another bizarre twist, on Black Friday in 2009, I was waiting in line at a local Target and broke out in a conversation with another lady. We were talking about Christmas shopping, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she mentioned that her brother had seen Santa Claus in his sleigh two years before. No way. I stood with my mouth wide open because I couldn't believe it. Every Christmas Eve, I still look outside and try to get a glimpse. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stories from people saying that they actually saw Santa Claus. The like, sleigh and everything. That's like impressive. Big, Loch Ness monster. Everything. Santa Claus is a cryptid. I mean, wow. I don't know if he's a cryptid, but he's a, I mean, he's a real ghost story. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the idea uh, that the legend becomes, becomes real. And we've talked about memes before. And, you know, now the idea is that people just think of memes as a picture with a funny thing online, you know, or they take somebody's picture and then put a little joke on it. Yeah, yeah. But the, you know, the original uh, term for it is that it's it's an idea, behavior, or something else that spreads from person to person within a culture, like a virus. It's an idea Uh, virus. Okay. Meme was coined by Richard Dawkins, the famous evolutionist atheist guy. So this is, Richard Dawkins shows up every once in a while on the podcast to to say bah humbug. Yeah. Oh, whatever we want, whatever we want to believe in. Poo, poo, poo. And so, but he originated in his book, The Selfish Gene, in 1976. And uh, he welcomes the idea. It says here in the in the discussion of memes that they should be considered living structures, not just metaphors. They they physically re- reside in the brain. So I mean, ideas, thoughts are things. They're cells. I mean, how many times have you heard like a new age person say, "Thoughts are things, man." <laughs> yeah. Right. And they are. It's a, it, it is a structure that lives inside your brain, a uh, thought. And that's this idea virus spreading. So Santa Claus, the, you know, the first thing, we had these cute uh, legends of a, of a big fat man coming to give you gifts. And it sounds nice. And it keeps the kids in line. And it's great. But then it spreads and more and more and more and more people believe, like we were saying, you know, there's 300 million people in the United States and every single person knows who Santa Claus is. Yeah, right. No, not everybody believes, of course, but there's still a lot of children that believe. And there's a lot of adults like me, 41 years old, and I still believe in Santa. And so that's the thing. Like, it, it has this. Now, of course, the first thing I think is tulpa. Ah, you know? Yep. You know, even beyond the idea that, uh, that what people are seeing something paranormal and their brain is registering it as Santa Claus. So in a way that their brain is disguising it as something they understand. When you're a kid, you know, if you're religious or whatever, maybe you have an idea of God or something as a, you know, a bearded guy or <laughs> some crap like that. The big man in the but, sky. Right. And you always think of, you know, a big clouded man sitting there like Michelangelo's God touching right. uh, Adam's finger or whatever. But you also have this idea of Santa Claus. And like we're, 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 we see more images of Santa Claus than we do of God. <laughs> So maybe the Bible thumpers are right. 
<laughs> and Santa Claus is Satan. But um, we see more images of that. He's the first paranormal character that seems very real to us. I mean, he shows up every Christmas with gifts. Yeah. You know, Santa is like, Santa does seem real because Santa brings you stuff. <laughs> physical so, things. Right. Physical. Like Santa brings you G.I. Joe's. <laughs> Santa brings you Dreamhouse Barbie. So, you know, that's not weird for people to actually believe in Santa. And there's a really good article in Week in Weird. Where they do, they they go to they go to Tulpas, and I, and I hadn't read this article before, and this is from a couple of years ago. But I also like in there that they mentioned uh, Nick Redfern's book talking. He really Nick Redfern really gets into Tulpas in his book Three Men Seeking Monsters. Okay, and that that was the book I was reading when I had my own Tulpa experience. Oh, awesome! So, and we've discussed that Tulpa experience a thousand times. But uh, and you can you can listen to it in a previous episode and discover <laughs> the own weirdness I saw I think overseas, the right in Scotland yes. at the the Blarney. That's actually in Ireland at the Blarney Castle. Cool. And the, the Tulpa experience. So it's cool that they talk about that, that, you know, if this many people are thinking about a character, could we have willed a Tulpa into existence? You know, could we, could we have willed Santa Claus into existence? Okay. A Tulpa, in case you haven't uh, you know, heard the podcast before we talk about it or just in general, a Tulpa is a thought form. Somebody thinks about something, exerts their will, and tries to imagine something into existence. A talpa behaves as though it's a real entity. It can talk, walk, interact with physical objects, so on. It doesn't have a soul or whatever, because it's—I mean—but it's a—it's a creature with its own. Like it's a. Think about an android you create with your mind. Whoa, I think that's cool. <laughs> like the idea of the talpa. Now, our Western idea of the talpa comes from uh, this woman named Alexandra David Neal who was like a Belgian-French spiritualist uh, that was writing about her experiences in early 20th century Tibet. And she said that the tulpas were magic formations generated by a powerful concentration of thought and that somebody who's a really good monk uh, can create a tulpa to do his work for <laughs> Awesome. Like, the idea is that the thought form... You, you, you concentrate so hard. So somebody who's very enlightened and who's really religious and has control of their, their mind powers or whatever can create something that will like do the lawn, handle the, the dishes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I meant. Like it's an Android you create with your mind. Clean the bathroom. But also, so, so she says that um, you know, she was working on creating a tulpa and we'll have our own episode. We'll have a, a full episode on tulpas one time because there's a, there's a lot to it. There's tulpa mansers now there was an experiment done in like the my little pony section of 4chan to try to create tulpas in the modern sense so there's a lot we can talk about when we come to tulpas but the thing is she said that she worked on a creating a tulpa when she was in tibet and the tulpa indulged with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being and it freed itself of her control what did it look like um well they say that the tulpa looks like you oh that's creepy like yeah a clone but, right but she said that the one she made uh, looked like Friar Tuck. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> so it looked like Friar Tuck, and uh, it eventually had to be destroyed. It had to be destroyed. Oh, that's so creepy! They had to kill it. Yeah, they had to because it develops a mind of its own. Oh no! So that's the scary thing. Like, but what I also think is funny is she's talking about this, and I have no idea if I'm saying Alexandra David Neal because it has a accent on it. I don't know if it's saying it correctly. So if I'm sorry if I butchered her name, just like I butchered David Icke's name as Icky for an entire episode. 
an entire episode saying David Icky. <laughs> One of our early episodes. <laughs> yes, it was like, like episode three. What a jerk. We've learned, Mike. We've come a long way. Yes, we have. We have come a long way. But this is the idea of like AI going off on its own. I mean, this is baked into our human, you know, spiritual experience. Elon Musk comes out oh. last week and says like, well, there's a 5% chance that humanity will not be destroyed by artificial intelligence. Like, so these guys are making predictions about artificial intelligence all the time. And it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. When, you know, Buddhist monks are talking about tulpas getting a life of their own and, you know, but they have no souls and they have to be destroyed. <laughs> right. Well, there was an episode of the X-Files last year. Or the, um, when they had the X-Files reboot, that was all about tulpas. That's cool. So, and actually the tulpa was played by the lead singer of Rancid. No way. That's yeah, awesome. Tim Armstrong from, Tim Armstrong from Rancid oh, played the trash that. man. Cool. Who is the tulpa in the X-Files. The new X-Files in two months and I can't wait. Yay. Or maybe less than a month now, December, uh, January 18th, I think. I've got some catching up to do. Yeah, so there's only six episodes of the reboot, so if you've watched that, you'll you'll be in. Cool. It's funny enough is that in the in the Tulpas episode that they had last year, um, Mulder says that um, actually that the Western idea of a Tulpa was bastardized from the original, and that that's not really a Buddhist. And he, it's weird that he says that because in a previous episode of the X Files, he actually says the Tulpa as the Tibetan thought form. So I'm just trying to say. The X-Files writers should read their own stuff. Consistency. Before, you know, before saying, you know, Mulder going off on his own. Anyway, the thing is, uh, Santa Claus might be real. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, maybe it's not the Santa that comes every, you know, maybe it's not him that's leaving the presents under the tree. It's just the spirit of Santa Claus. But people have seen him. All right. Well, I and will so he, be keeping my eyes out for santa now that i know hey actually that just reminds me he's just as real as the tooth fairy growing up there was a a man who lived in our city that drove around in a red convertible with the license plate santa and he had the big white beard and everything so we always assumed that that was santa on his you know off season (laughs) and maybe it was i don't know no that's fantastic well my cousins also had a uh like they were one of the first people with a video camera. And so like one year, my uncle's like, check this out. He's like, and so he's like, he said he set up the video camera overnight oh, to capture no. Santa. And um, they got the tree right by the chimney or whatever. And the, uh, it doesn't come, he doesn't come to the chimney. He like disappears. Like he snaps his fingers and appears. That's and cool. Disappears. Awesome. And, and you can tell they did it, you know, like, because you, you leave the tripod stationary and they just hit the stop button and then, you know, whatever. But it was great. They used in-camera special effects to create the illusion of Santa Aww, for my cousins. That's and they're nice. like, and then, but these were the cousins who eventually were like, do you, what do you think about Santa? Do you think he's real? And I'm like, you have the videotape. Like, you Aww. have the proof that yeah. Santa is real. Like, you guys had the videotape. Yeah. Well, anyway, we still believe in Santa Claus here in Sunspot. In fact, <laughs> 2012, we were, or actually, oh my God, it was not 2012, 2005. Whoa. We were contacted by a, a local songwriter named Joe Snare, and Joe uh, had written kind of like a rockabilly song called Hey Santa. Yes. And he was putting together a, uh, like a compilation of Christmas songs to benefit the Salvation Army, in the Dane County Salvation Army, and he asked us to do a rocked up version of Hey Santa. 
So, uh, and that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. So here's Sunspot's version of Hey Santa. for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Okay, but before we go, I think we'd be remiss if we did not thank our Patreon community. Definitely. We really appreciate them, all of them, each and every one. And we want to give a special, extra special St. Nick's Week shout out to Ned. Dr. Ned is pledging at a level where he gets his own shout out every week. And we're happy to do that because we love you, Ned, and we appreciate every bit of your generosity. That's right. Thanks, Doc. And uh, number two, we want to thank our Patreon, Chuck, for contributing the idea for this episode. Yeah, what a great idea. We've covered Krampus a couple of times and some other holiday traditions, but uh, we never really got into Santa himself as a full episode. Because I, like Lloyd Auerbach, was like, no, Santa's not real. And then you look up, you're like, wait, Santa's real. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. So it's a perfect paranormal podcast because Santa's for real. Um, And that was exciting to see. So if Chuck hadn't uh, suggested the topic, we wouldn't have looked into it and wouldn't have discovered a whole new realm of Fordiana that uh, kind of blew my mind. Yes. And so you can join our Patreon community and we're always open to suggestions for topics from our members by visiting othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Happy St. Nick's. Santa brings you G.I. Joes. Santa brings you Dreamhouse Barbie.
I still believe 